Hi, I'm Sarah Trott, and welcome to the Fourth Trimester Podcast. I'm a new mama, and this podcast is all about postpartum care for the first few months following birth, the time period also known as the fourth trimester. My postpartum doula, Esther Gallagher, is my co-host. She's a mother, grandmother, perinatal educator, birth and postpartum care provider. Fourth trimester care, our topic, is about the practical, emotional, and social support parents and baby require. And importantly, it helps set the tone for the continuing journey of parenting. to the fourth trimester podcast. I'm Sarah Trott. I'm here with my co-host Esther Gallagher, and we have a special guest today, Susie Haightley. And we want to just remind you that if you would like to sign up for our newsletter, please do so by going to fourthtrimesterpodcast.com. And there's also a link for sponsorship. If you're interested in sponsoring our show, please go to patreon.com. And there's a link to that also on our website. And a special shout out to all of our existing sponsors. Thank you so much to our patrons. Uh, you are helping make this possible. Can we call them matrons? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So just a bit of background on Susie. Susie is from Calgary, Canada, which is north of Montana geographically. And she specializes in yoga therapy and really just utilizing yoga to help her clients get out of pain. And she's worked with women through all stages of pregnancy from prenatal right through postpartum. And um, she is here to talk us through some of the learnings that she's had from uh, working with women um, through all kinds of common, common issues women face when they're going through pregnancy and postpartum. Um, And she's really on a mission to show new moms how they can prepare to recover from pregnancy and childbirth. And she is also expecting her first two babies at present. So welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. So how has your pregnancy been going? You know, I, I feel really, really fortunate because I didn't have any uh, nausea at the beginning and, uh, and come the second trimester, I could just start feeling how the load of these little ones were starting to have an impact on how I was walking and sleeping. And, um, and so I just made some, you know, I made some changes and uh, pretty quickly in it. So I was able to adapt pretty well. So overall, the, the pregnancy has been going, uh, going really well. I've got about um, eight or nine weeks to go, depending on when these little guys want to come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You say, do you know the sex of your babies? So I've got a little boy and a little girl. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. So tell us a bit about how you how you work um, and what your practice is all about. So my, my, my primary focus is utilizing yoga to help people get out of pain. And I also have a degree in kinesiology, which is the science of human movement. Um, and so I... I've applied that uh, specifically to women who are pregnant and postpartum, although I work with lots of other people other than pregnant and postpartum women. But in this context, I work with that with pregnant and postpartum in in two really distinct ways. Some women that I'm seeing uh, as clients before they get pregnant, not that they were planning to get pregnant, but they just happen to come to see me as a client and then they become pregnant. And then it's, it's helping them maintain the awareness they've gained and maintaining the stability and the mobility as they move through their pregnancy so that they can really, I like, I mean, I said it earlier about my own, is that they, 
be able to bear the load because as you grow and as the weight of, of pregnancy starts to come on, there's a different load that we need to absorb and we need to dissipate through our body. And if we don't do that well, then we can create, all, there can be all sorts of problems. And, and it's not necessarily, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that to blame anybody for when they're not managing that well, not at all. Um, it's more that if we can keep that in mind of what is happening in pregnancy from a biomechanical place, then um, then we can get we can move through it rather than from an enduring place. We can really c- come into it from an from an, uh, an enjoyment place and a um, and enjoying the experience. The other side that I work with women are when things have gone awry, and so that they're sore, they're they've got pain, they've got SI joint pain, which is the sacroiliac joints. Um, or they're having troubles with their knees or any, anywhere up through their body to their neck, to their shoulders, um, or postpartum if they're having difficulty recovering uh, postpartum. So I'll, I'll often see women in those stages just to help bring their bodies back together so that they can then move forward. Uh, the number of women that I know who um, have been pregnant and then their postpartum and then their doctor up here, particularly in Canada, the doctor at about three to six weeks will say, okay, you're ready to go. Go back and be active again. And I don't know a single woman who's been told that, who's then gone and done that, and then has not gotten hurt. And we can talk more about that. But when then they'll come and see me and say, I'm hurt. <laughs> what do I do now? Because my doctor said, go for it. But why is it not working? Good point. I have the same experience. <laughs> Not surprising. Person, personally and uh, professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again and again and again. Mm. So I, you know, have worked very hard uh, over the years to try to give my birth and postpartum clients better information wherever I can and encourage them to seek appropriate knowledgeable physical therapy when they're postpartum and not, you know, not fully functional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, um, I noticed Susie that you, uh, spoke to, um, of course, pregnancy and postpartum. Would you be able to give us an example, maybe from your own personal experience, since you're in the midst of it, of um, how you uh, sort of came to terms with physiologically and exercise-wise, yogically, um, as you noticed that load um, in in the pregnancy period. And then I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about postpartum. Sure. So maybe you can give us an outline of specific ways in which you used yoga to shift the weight of pregnancy as, as it increased? Sure. So I think the first thing that's really, really important is that something that is happening more and more, particularly on Instagram, is that there's a glorification of fitness prenatal, uh, like during pregnancy prenatally, which is great, except I think it also uh, puts some women in a, in a bit of a state, whether it's subconsciously or consciously about how much activity they should be doing when really, 
Um, and this has become very clear to me being pregnant. And I've, and so the, the personal experience has been very, very clear is that what I could do uh, before I became pregnant is not what I can do right now. And, and it's, I, and I, I don't mind that because <laughs> I got two little babies growing in me. So yeah. there's, there's no, there, there's no sort of illusion that who I was before is what I can do now. And, and as an example, like, it seemed like if I look back on it, I was a runner kind of, a, I was a sort of kind of runner. Like I ran regularly, but I wouldn't say I was a very fast runner. I just running was something I liked to do. And, um, and I w- if I look back right around when I would have conceived, actually, all of a sudden I had this feeling in my body that said, I don't want to run anymore. And, mm-hmm. and I went onto the bike and it was then, then later on I found out I was pregnant. And so I looked back and went, well, that's kind of interesting. So I was on the bike and then I was on the bike for, for a while. And then I noticed that my belly was just starting to get in the way of the way my legs were moving. Mm-hmm. So then rather than fight fight the the fact that I was starting to struggle a bit on the bike, I just went on to the elliptical trainer. And so then I went on the elliptical. And what was so funny about being on the elliptical, it's very different than running or cycling. And I found it quite challenging because it was a different movement pattern. But then that's where I kind of kept myself is more on the elliptical. And then there were moments when I found my balance was a little off. So then I just stopped going on the elliptical because getting on the elliptical was a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And so I got onto the treadmill or I was walking. Now, just so your guests know, we, we're, we're in winter time right now. So there's so we've had quite a bit of snow and quite a bit of ice. So there have been times when I've gotten on the treadmill rather than walking outside. But also now that like when the snow melts and when we've got clear, clear, um, clear sidewalks and it's a lot easier to walk. So I just recognized what it was that I was I was able to do. I think that's the first piece. And, and then the second piece is well, before you say that, can I just comment? Yeah. Um, not only what you can do, but I hear a note of what you can do safely, mm-hmm. right. Without injuring yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because the, the last thing I want to be is on bed rest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. I don't, I don't want that. And so I don't, I don't want to have to put my, like, I, I, I'll put my feet up because I need to rest, but that's different because from being injured and then not being able to do anything. Um, because I mean, be doing something active is, is important to me. And then when I look at my clientele and for me as well, when I look at my clientele, one of the big things that we focus on is keeping stability in the pelvis. Because as the relaxin comes in, into our bodies, they talk a lot about how your joints become more mobile, and that's really to enable the delivery of baby, or babies in my case. And um, and the thing, though, with that extra mobility of the joints, it doesn't necessarily mean that the muscles that attach to those joints are going to be mobile as well. In fact, for many people... In order to, tr- in, in an attempt to stabilize that that over mobility now that's needed, the muscles can get really tight and they can get really ropey and just uncomfortable. And so we want to help maintain stability around the pelvis and and not like we want to make sure not to overstretch for sure, but we want to maintain a, what I like to call like a functional movement of how your legs and your um, 
your pelvis interact and how your pelvis and the torso above interact. Because how you're, if you, if you, if you hold your breath or if your rib cage is really tight, um, uh, or that can have an impact on your pelvis. If your hips are really tight, that can have an impact on your pelvis. So if you can learn uh, different things, I can give you some ideas of some simple stuff that I can explain over audio that women can do to help support that. Um, then you, then your pelvis can be a little more stable. And then with that, and that stability, as the, as one grows, whether they more, they're more anteriorly presenting or however, the, however they grow, um, the way that the forces are moving through their body will be, uh, much better absorbed, uh, and, uh, um, and it won't impact them as much. Mm-hmm. Why don't you give us those examples? All right. So the first thing uh, that's that can be really helpful is if someone massages on the inside of their hip bones. So and I can send a picture of this as well to you for your show notes. But if they bring their, if you take your hands onto your hip bones and you slide on the inside of your of your pelvis of those hip bones, and then you just gently push your fingers down in there and massage in and around the inside of the hip bones. And then kind of come around um, your lower belly and just massage that area out. That's one thing you can do. You can take a ball, like a tennis ball um, or any ball, really. Golf balls are a little too small and hard, but a, but a tennis ball is a good one. And you can place it under your hip, like on your, on your gluteus muscles, or your, you can just generally call it your bum muscles. And whether you're sitting or whether you're standing against a wall, you can roll out your hip, so that can help get into that get, get into that tissue as well. You can also I use a come foam in, roller. Yeah, you can use a mm-hmm. foam roller as well. The difference between the foam roller and the ball is that the ball is more specific in the area, and the and the foam roller is a bit wider, and so disperses the force a little bit. So either or either or works. Um, and if you come up to your rib cage, the same thing you can do in terms of if you find your lowest ribs and then start massaging up those lower ribs up into the base of your breastbone, that can be really helpful in releasing some of the tissue around the diaphragm. What's really, really vital here is that the diaphragm uh, and the pelvic floor are, are pairs. And so we want those two to work together. So if the diaphragm's not dropping, then the pelvic floor won't, won't drop as well. And then that they won't lift and lower at, the, uh, at a um, at a in a really efficient way. And I mean, even now, I mean, I'm getting I'm getting much bigger now. And so what I'll typically do is I'll lie over an exercise ball, and I can still when I do that when I'm lying over it, I can still get into my ribs. That might change in about four weeks, but but I can still get into underneath my ribs and get into that area and sort of massage that area. So those are all like massage techniques. And from a from a more of a yoga movement kind of place, if you put your hands on the wall and you're in standing and you take your left ankle and place it just above your right knee and then gently sit down and you'll start to get a bit of a stretch in that in that hip. And you can start to get a little bit more mobility in through that that the, the hip area and just release some of the tightness that can accumulate in through those rotators of your hips and some of the abductors of your hips, so the outside of your hip, um, and then the back of your of your hip, like right in your bum area. 
you can get that a little bit more mobile and supple, and that can be really, really helpful. That's great. Sounds like something I want to do right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. You um, also mentioned uh, that you have a couple of techniques to help breastfeeding moms, mm. um, which, you know, of course, for the last 39 years of my life has been <laughs> something that I'm constantly working on with moms because the tendency to hike their shoulder up to their ear <laughs> mm-hmm. while breastfeeding is just so common. And then, of course, twist their neck around to look at the baby. So um, this this posturing is just so not smart, but it's so kind of, I don't know if I want to use the word instinctive, but it seems automatic and it takes a great deal of unlearning um, to get moms to drop those shoulders down and back, yeah, um, while holding their babies. So, I think I think there's there's two ways to for women to think about this, and one is, and it's it's the same thing I talk about with desk workers, like people who work in front of a computer, mm-hmm. is that that they if you're if innately that is what you're going to do then recognize that is what you're going to do and then do your best to take care of yourself after the fact. And I realize that that's a, I'm asking a lot of a woman with a newborn because there's a lot to do. Um, And I find that once women experience pain, that many of them will make a shift uh, in order to feel better. Um, And sometimes it takes the pain for them to kind of go, oh, I need to make a change. Um, so if they just recognize if that's how they're going to do it, if that's what their body position is most or in their mind, in their mindset is most comfortable doing, then just to recognize that, yes, it's not the best posture, that, yes, it can contribute to neck, shoulder, rib and pelvic pain. And then they can do something after the fact, like perhaps when their little one is um, is sleeping or if um, or if they're. They're, they're down and they're playing with a mobile, mobile, or if they're just down on the floor with them, then they can always do something when they're down on the floor just to release some of those areas. So there, there is a, there is possibility. The key is that, 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 that women need to recognize that, that their, their body is sending them a signal and that signal is asking them to care for it. And so it's important to care for themselves as it, as it is, as much as it is to care for their babies. And I, I realize that I hear a lot of times uh, from women saying, well, I just don't have the time. And that becomes a point where it's like, well, let's have a conversation about time. But I'm sort of digressing off on a bit of a dog leg. What I would say is I think the the posture component that you're talking about is it's so important, particularly when breastfeeding, um, because like so often we'll bring the breast down to the baby rather than the baby up to the breast. So if we can keep the, the rib cage stacked over the pelvis, not slump back, bring baby up to us, and then have the support of the pillow and whatever other support um, is can be underneath so that, 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 that we're not having to slump, that is going to go a long, long, long way to helping... 
um, a woman feel much, much better during breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I, I get that that's difficult. And sometimes it will come, it will, it will be, it will become mandatory when they realize that if they do something else, they're just going to be in so much pain. But that's probably the, the biggest one in terms of the actual breastfeeding. Then if, once they're done breastfeeding, then they can do things like shoulder rolls. And again, I can send you some pictures of this so that people can actually see it, not just hear the audio of it. Whereas if someone brings their shoulders to their ears and then pulls their, their shoulder blades back to their uh, spine and then gently brings them down their back, then they can get a little bit of relief through those blades because our shoulder blades can get really stick and sticky and stuck when we get into that breastfeeding position. And then even just gentle neck movements that we're already familiar with, like bringing your ear to your one shoulder, bringing the ear to the other shoulder. Um, another one that I really like is if, you, if, you're, if you're looking straight ahead and you turn your head to the left, And then you just nod your head. That can go a long way to supporting someone with with just um, regaining suppleness in the neck. It's it's, it's funny, you know, because years ago when I first started doing my work, I I actually worked with musicians. And a lot of them were very ambivalent about stretching or moving or strengthening because they felt that was the athlete thing to do and they didn't consider themselves athletes. And it's and it's not unlike this stage of motherhood. It's 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 this thing that we're doing, this breastfeeding thing that we're doing. We're nurturing and nourishing our baby. And we have to remember that like our our bodies are are doing this a, a lot and they're giving out a ton of energy to the baby and to the the life that we are we've created, not to mention what we've just done nine months prior. And the actual delivery itself, like there's been a ton of energy output on our part. So we need to remember that and really help cultivate um, better connection within our body, which will actually transfer into the, the little one that we're feeding. Human nature is such that we don't tend to focus preventatively on things. We tend to uh, focus on solving a problem. And, and so, I, I mean, I think I read a stat once, it was something like 85 or 90% of people do not, do not tend to go preventatively unless something has happened previously and they know what could happen again, then there's more likelihood for them to uh, be preventative. But in a sense, that's actually preventing a problem they've already experienced. So it's also, <laughs> it's, it's not a 100% preventive, but it's just, it's human nature, right? Like it's, and so that's why I like to give the women I work with a bit of a break because they're just, you know, moving along because that's what all women have done. We just, it's, we're doing something that comes naturally to us. And, and then, and the other thing too, is like they hear stories at the playground and where a mom, a mom will look at them and say, well, you know how it is, you know, when we laugh and we pee and, and you know how it is, this is just the way it is. And, and the, in truth, really in truth, it's, it's actually not how it has to be. That it is a normal process to have pain and to have um, the strain that comes with the various parts of pregnancy, postpartum, and postpartum recovery. And, and, and also, it doesn't really have to be someone's reality. So I think the message truly is, is that if you have the pain, you can do something about it. 
there are people out there who can support you in doing something about it. And if the things that I'm suggesting aren't working for you, it could just be that they're not the solution for you. It's I mean, it's tough to give general recommendations to people you don't, can't see. But there are like the pelvic health physios that are out there. I mean, those are the those are people who can really, really help get to the root of the problem and really support you in, a, in very, very, very quick measure too. So it's, um, I think it's important for women to know that they don't have to suffer through and it's not an, it's, it does not have to be their normal reality for sure. Mm-hmm. And so your ideal positioning for breastfeeding and, and holding the body would be to, to not have a, like, can you just describe that in a nutshell? So not to be in a slump, like not to slouch, to keep your rib cage over top of your pelvis, and then to have and to bring the breast or bring the baby to the breast as opposed to the breast to the baby. And then whether it's a breastfeeding pillow or some other support stacked underneath baby so that baby you're not leaning forward to the baby, that the baby is coming up to you. But you need to have that support. That's that's a that's an important part. Mm-hmm. And then I had a absolute revelation when Esther taught me how to feed my baby laying down. Oh, mm-hmm. because suddenly my neck is relaxed, my shoulders are relaxed. I was able to rest a lot more. So I just wanted to throw that into the mix with this conversation. Love it. Yeah, and not only that, you know, in the first few weeks. Um, even if moms have had a perfectly normal physiological delivery uh, and maybe not even uh, ha- don't even have any particular wounds like the typical first or second degree tears of the perineum or vulva, um, even when that's the case, it is also the case that that tissue can be swollen and very sore. And so not sitting on it <laughs> is kind of nice. Yes. Um, you know, your baby not might not comply with every feeding being a lying down <laughs> feeding. But the more you can uh, stay off your perineum and your vulva, the, you know, the likelihood that that tissue is going to have the chance to reduce its swelling and come together and heal and recover, I think is higher. So um, I, I want soon to be moms not to imagine that every breastfeeding has to be sitting upright. And of course, you're about to deliver twins. And I know from my professional experience that some twins like to nurse at the same time, and lots of twins don't care if they do or don't. Um, and I think, you know, preparing yourself for the possibility that you're not going to want to be sitting <laughs> much on your bottom in the first couple of weeks means preparing to nurse your twins in some alternative fashion. Um, be creative. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I, I'm, I'm well aware of that. Both my sisters have had multiples. So I'm wow. Yeah. It's a bit of a family thing of ours. I'll say. Yeah. yeah. So, but you bring bring a good point up and, and when women are lying down again, to be, 
like these are guidelines for sure. And, and when you get to a, a place where there is like pain in your shoulder, pain in the neck, I mean, ultimately we want our babies to be fed. So we're going to do whatever we need to do to help them get the nourishment they need. And if, if you're, as a mom, starting to notice the impact on your body from uh, poor positioning, then that's when you get to take this a step further. I like that you were talking about the pelvic floor rehabilitation and people, physios who specialize in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've you kind of mentioned to us like why that pelvic floor rehabilitation is so important. So would you like to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So again, we need to remember that the nine months or or, or less, however long you were you were pregnant for, has been quite a quite a load throughout the your entire system, and then the delivery of that uh, of those babies or baby um, is quite is quite a feat of strength, and some women they will they this the babies come out quickly and then there's no tearing. Some women there is a lot of tearing. A lot of times the tearing is going backward. Uh, sometimes there's an episiotomy. Sometimes women push and push and push and push and end up having a C-section. Sometimes they just are uh, booked for a C-section for which, whatever reason. And, um, and, and what's interesting is that if you have an elective C-section or if you have a planned C-section because of placenta previa or because of any other scenario about where the babies are positioned... Um, and there's no pushing, it doesn't mean that your pelvic floor is not impacted. It's If you imagine you're, you have a plastic bag, like a plastic grocery bag, and then you put a whole bunch of oranges in that plastic bag, the bottom of that bag will, have be, will be impacted by that load of oranges. So the fact that we've been carrying the weight of babies and fluid and placenta um, that's going to have an impact on what is happening through the pelvic floor. So that part needs to be, we need to reconnect with that because the pelvic floor is the floor of our torso and we have orifices in that pelvic floor that enable the movement of fluid and matter. So that needs to be reconnected in a sense and then it needs to be reconnected with the diaphragm because when it comes to core stability, the pelvic floor and the diaphragm are part of the inner core, which are really which, which is really important for maintaining the stability of your spine and supporting the spine and um, and the connection to that and the and the pelvis. So when we can get that better connected, then um, our recovery can often be much smoother. And if we don't do that, um, then that's where a lot of instability in the pelvis can arise. And when women then go out for a run at three or six or eight weeks and they kind of they're going out and attempting to get their baby weight off and just be active again and reclaim themselves, uh, that that can actually prove to be a problem because you don't actually have the integrity from a biomechanical standpoint. And then our knees can get sore, SI joints can get sore, ankles, feet, um, backs can get really, really sore. so the the integration of improving that that um, pelvic floor diaphragm relationship is really important. Can I just say, Susie, that uh, if I knew of a mom who was going to go for a run at three weeks postpartum, I would lock her in a closet. <laughs> Sorry, 
Yeah. Um, that is a really bad idea. Your uterus isn't ready for that. Your pelvis isn't ready for that. Your pelvic floor isn't ready for that. Your abs and your spine are not ready for that. There is no way that three weeks after having a baby, you're ready for that. Um, uh, and frankly, I include athletes in that. I know that's not going to make me popular, but um, you know, there's plenty of time to let those tissues uh, do the work of a very sort of metamorphic process of um, dissolving some tissues that were extra for the pregnancy and letting the body process those tissues out and have those abs come down to a more normal size and shape uh, before they are challenged, as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, there's rugae in the vagina that have proliferated during pregnancy. You've got an extra rugae, which are the folds inside the vagina that help the vagina uh, expand. Uh, those That's extra tissue, uh, in a sense, after you've delivered your baby. It needs time to come back to a post-pregnant state. It's not just going to happen because the baby's now out of your body. It takes mm-hmm. time. So there's you know, many, many uh, interconnected physiological, musculoskeletal um, systems that just aren't ready for prime time. And I make the argument um, all the time that evolution has structured it this way so that we slow down to baby speed. You know, babies aren't going, aren't ready to be part of a marathon. <laughs> you know, they're, they need mom to be moving slow and paying attention. And I think one of the problems that we face is that there's other professionals who are saying, oh, yeah, you're good to go. So go. Right. And yes. there, and those professionals might not have the biomechanical understanding that you're talking about. And, and then so when someone hears somebody say, yes, go, and they kind of want to go, then, then someone has said, or they haven't said, don't go, then, mm-hmm. and then off they'll go. And, and I think one of the messages particularly for new moms, um, because I think for, for, like I said earlier, there was a lot of women, a lot of friends of mine who got back to running or, or high load type of activities, and all of them have been hurt, um, is that if you go back too soon, the recovery time is going to be even longer. And it's going to be, it's going to be longer than someone who hasn't had a baby. So that's going to slow you down even more. And that's going to probably annoy you even more. So if you take on the front end, the time to like to truly recover, like I heard someone once say that, you know, delivering a baby, there's a lot of trauma involved and it's like an injury almost. And I I mean that loosely, but the amount of, of what happens during delivery, it's quite extreme. And, and we need to recuperate and recover 
from that. And if we don't take that time, then we can create all sorts of other problems. I know of a pelvic pelvic health physio up here in Canada, and she just gets so irate at the fact that we can get knee surgery done and have 18 visits uh, mm-hmm. covered for rehab, for re- knee rehab. And mind you, we're in the talking about the Canadian system up here. And so it's a bit different than some other country systems. And yet postpartum, there's nothing, like there's no care. And the number of women that I will see who are per- perimenopausal or they're in their late 40s or early 50s, they're done with their chil- done with having children. And they, they're about, say, some of them are five years postpartum, some of them are 10 years postpartum, and they're having troubles. And they are, I can put this very mildly, like they are annoyed beyond belief about someone not telling them what to ha- they should have done postpartum just because it wasn't spoken about. But now with podcasts like yours, and there's more and more uh, talk about diastasis recti and pelvic floor issues, that the word is just, it's starting to get out there around around how women should really be considering themselves um, postpartum. And it's not to hold us back. It's really to build the foundation so we can fly later on. Yes. I mean, I think the same logic sort of applies to training for a marathon. If I were to go out cold from not having built up muscles to just like go out and say, okay, well, I'm going to do a training run and I'm going to run 15 miles today because that's my goal. I would hurt myself so badly. Yeah. And weeks before you could run again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so then, and I've experienced this too. Like after having a baby, like my muscles are in a different place. My body's in a different place. Not only do I need to recover, but I've lost a lot of my strength because frankly, those last few months, I couldn't do a lot. It's not that I wasn't healthy or active, but I just, it sounds like, I, and I've heard this from Brianna Battles, who's a previous guest on our show as well, that there's more harm than good in pushing it before you're ready. Oh, yes. Yes. And there's probably some kind of sweet spot, some like Goldilocks zone of, taking care of yourself and staying fit while you're pregnant and postpartum where you're not going too far in couch potato land, but you're not going too far in, in like injuring yourself because of, um, because of exercise. Cause she, uh, Brianna experienced like terrible diastasis recti and she talks a lot about it. And, it, and she said, she sees like a lot of these mommy groups, like mm, stroller power kind of things. And they're all doing sit-ups and their posture is terrible. And it's like, they're, like people just don't know they're hurting themselves or they're working out too much and creating that weakness in their linea alba, you know, even while they're pregnant. Yes. And, and again, that's why these, this is, it's so important. And it's also why it's important and, and, and it might, it might freak people out a little bit, but why it's, it is so important to see a pelvic health physio um, even before situations happen because they, they can, uh, that like the pelvic health physios that I've met, all of them are so passionate about helping women and they can really provide insight into what's happening through your pelvis and the relationship to your belly and to your linea alba and really give you a good understanding of how things are working and where you're at along that that process of recovery. And I was speaking to one the other day who said, if you can even get in prenatally and get a baseline set so that about six weeks postpartum, you can go back again 
and they can see where you're at, then they can really help you move along. And again, it's the kind of support that can can move you in that direction of of a of a quicker recovery. Um, if you like, and granted, you need to have the time uh, to be able to go to one. But if you have that available, then it can be a, a real boon to your own well being. I think uh, we might even add that. You know, there are women who have chronic pelvic floor dysfunction even before they become pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, any woman who has, you know, issues with being overly tight, um, issues with their uh, bowels, issues... Uh, with with uh, their um, uh, experience of sex, could really benefit from seeing a well qualified and experienced uh, pelvic floor uh, physical therapist. Especially, I mean, not especially in any case, but certainly if then she's planning a pregnancy and going to carry a pregnancy, going to try to push a baby out, uh, however her baby gets born. Because um, I do see as a birth doula a modicum of um, difficulty for women just kind of knowing what their body's doing when it comes time to push a baby out and how to relate to it. So, you know, it is interesting how out of touch we are <laughs> below the belly button and so it's um i think yeah this yogic orientation is one that i use as well and, and um to have somebody who's highly skilled like you are susie um uh helping women assess and take some approach to uh, having a healthier experience is really, really wonderful, so beneficial, mm-hmm. and helps women feel appropriately resourced, you know, rather than just hearing a message of, oh, get your, you know, get your body back. Um, they're hearing, well, you have a new body, <laughs> and we're going to help you with that. We're going to help you find the new you and ease and comfort and strength and power in that. Um, so I, I really appreciate what it is you're addressing deeply. And I really like what you just said there around this new you, because what I'm about to say might, might shock some of your listeners so they need to hear this all the way through. So don't just stop, don't stop listening to me until I take a breath. And that is, you won't get your pre-pregnancy body back. What you will, like, you are a new body. So that, and that's really important. And, and you can be strong. You can be as strong and as mobile and as supple as you were pre-pregnancy. You can be stronger you can be more mobile, you can be more stable, you can do more things with your body postpartum. But I think, 
I think what's really important is it's your body's different. As you mentioned, there's a new you. I mean, I mean, you're a mom now. <laughs> and if you're, it's your second child, then you're a mom again. And so it's, you're, I mean, our life changes when we have babies. Our body changes when we have babies. And it's not a bad thing. And to recognize it's not trying to go back to what was. It's about utilizing what you've got and then carrying forward in a really intelligent way and a way with awareness where you can slim down, you can get supple, you can get stronger. Um, but maybe to maybe to, cons- to remember that your life was different before kids, your body's different than it was before kids. And, 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 and it's also can be totally awesome. So just to kind of keep that in mind when, when you read headlines for fitness that say, get your body back. Oh yeah, you can have a great body if that's what your goal is. Just remember that it's not the body because your life is very different. What you've been through has been an an incredible feat of strength and energy output. And postpartum and motherhood are an an opportunity um, as well. You know, often moms, um, you know, will say, oh, well, you know, breastfeeding makes me sore. I have to use six pillows or I cannot do it or, you know, and I say, well, you know, evolution actually put babies in front of women so that we get the kind of upper body strength that causes us not to have osteoporosis in our old age. Um, you know, lifting a baby, holding a baby, breastfeeding a baby, picking up our, our growing babies, picking up our toddlers till they're, you know, two, three, and four. That's so that we reap the benefits in our older age. So learning how to do it properly might behoove you uh, so that you have the benefit and you're not stuck pushing your baby around in a stroller and then having osteoporosis in your old age. So (laughs) I try to sell it to them any way I can. Right. (laughs) Good point. People say, oh, you're so strong. I say, yeah, well, I had kids when I was really young and I picked them up. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to hear your thoughts around meditation techniques and breathing techniques. Um, Because I think you mentioned that as as a way to sort of improve connection with baby. Yes. And it's, it's a lovely time to uh, connect with these types of things. Meditation, some people have an erroneous belief that it's about um, having nothing in your mind and having your mind be a blank place. That's not what it's about. Um, so when you are, when you are um, becoming aware of your own self and when you're becoming aware of your child or your baby that's an active meditation. Now, there might be some stuff going on in your head, but it's, it's paying attention to what is. And the stuff that's in our head is more the past or the future. And you can just let that stuff move through your head and just continue to focus on baby so or yourself. So the idea is, is that if you are sitting there with baby and you're breastfeeding to just pay attention to different parts of their body. 
or pay attention to different parts of your body and become, get into that now moment of this is my, this is where my toes are and this is where my pelvis is. This is where my, where baby is. You might want to put your, your hands on each of their toes and say, okay, this is their, this is their toe and this is the next toe and this is the next toe or this is their foot. And you just get really present to the, to what is, and it seems so simple but it's incredible how it can have such a calming and connected experience with your little one and with your own self. And it can really, um, what we call down train your nervous system and bring, bring that sense of calmness and, and uh, nervous system relief to you. So that's something to um, consider around just being, being connected. You can do the same thing when you're uh, changing them. And sometimes you have to be very quick when you're changing the diaper, but it's also something that you can do even the, the tiny massage techniques that you have around massaging their feet and their legs and their, their torsos and their heads and just being very conscientious of that action of my hands are on their legs or my hands are on their, their feet, my hands are on their, their, their arms or their chest or their face. And so you're just really conscientious of that, of that, that point, not what am I going to feed them next? Or when is my partner coming home? Or, oh yeah, I have to do the grocery shopping. Like that might be, that might be the, the static, so to speak, that's up in your head. So then when you notice that you're going there, notice when you're making the list in your head, just come back to what's actually happening now. Because those things that I just mentioned, the groceries and the, and the partner coming home, those are future things. But what's present is you and that baby right now. And so that's what you want to grow. And as you as you practice that, then the length of time of presence and awareness grows as well. And then you overall become just that, that much more, that, that much calmer, that much more connected, that much more conscientious of just of just them. And you'll you'll find that you'll you'll not um, you'll not react as much. You'll, you'll be more responsive to what's happening with baby. I think, um, yeah, I, I think of the other benefit, Susie, which is um, you, you called it down training the nervous system. And what so many women um, actually physiologically suffer from in the postpartum period, if not just throughout their lives, is a nervous system that's constantly on high alert and and an adrenal system that's in line with that. And so they're not sleeping when they could be sleeping. And so their capacity for restorative um, sleep and and the recovery that comes along with it is really being affected. And so... This is a wonderful, wonderful technique, you know, just simple um, mindfulness for helping moms also be in a state of readiness for sleep when sleep comes. So if, you know, if they're writing that list in the future, that that isn't going to even happen till the future, uh, you know, they're, they're tuning up their nervous system, not tuning it down. And so... Um, yeah, I think that's a wonderful description of, of something that's just so 
beneficial on many levels. And I also recognize that it's not necessarily a normal way for people to be. Um, there's a we tend to honor busyness. We tend to honor um, a lot on one's plate as being being effective in life. But the truth of the matter is, you're more effective when you're present and aware. And if someone can actually grow this, the endurance or the stamina around building awareness and being present and having a nervous system that's more downtrained, they'll get way more done and, and it will just be more enjoyable. And, and they'll, they'll really surprise themselves with uh, just the overall, I don't want to say calmness, because it doesn't mean that life doesn't throw you curveballs and stuff doesn't happen and things don't hit the fan, so to speak. Uh, but but the way the way women are uh, as they as they gain the skill and they build the skill effectively can can just have such a huge impact not only on themselves and their own health but how their their baby responds because the babies are mirroring us for those first number of years and that will have an impact on them and and also on their relationship and their family. I think the only thing I'll add is with the, um, in combination with the meditation is that you can also do breathing, which Sarah had mentioned earlier too, is, is that even just connecting with your inhale and your exhale and noticing if one phase of that breath is, um, less than the other, and then just slowly become helping them make them even is one way of, um, of getting that improving the breath and as you improve the breath you're improving that diaphragmatic movement and that's helping connect to the pelvic floor you're also helping reconnect with that nervous system in the meditation which we were just speaking about so that's a really really simple um, idea of just noticing the phases of your breath and then helping them become more equal so that inhale and exhale become more in sync with each other um, is a great starting place nice I really like that. That's something anyone can do at any time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, wonderful. Uh, we're so thrilled to have had you as a guest on the program. Um, best of luck to you as you go through your coming final weeks mm-hmm. and with your postpartum. Thank you very much. Thanks, Susie. You bet. Thanks, Susie. Bye. Bye-bye. You can subscribe to this podcast in order to hear more from us. Thank you for listening, everyone, and I hope you'll join us next time on the fourth trimester. The theme music on this podcast was created by Sean Trott. Hear more at soundcloud.com slash Sean Trott. Special thanks to my true loves, my husband Ben, daughter Penelope, and baby girl Evelyn. Don't forget to share the fourth trimester podcast with any new and expecting parents. I'm Sarah Trott. Bye for now. Hello again. Bicycle man, I know you're doing all that you can. I wrote the song, simple and true. I wrote the song, I'll sing a song for you. You got your wheels, you got your gears. You ride around town without any fear You got your pedals, you got your brakes You always wear your helmet for safety's sake
low again Bicycle man I know you're doing all that you can I wrote the song, simple and true I wrote the song, I sing a song for you Song, I sing a song for you.